All right. Well, as promised, at the end of this sermon series, we open it up for a time of testimonies. You should have in the bulletin a summary of every sermon. If you were a part of the church on the email list, you would have gotten it during the week as well, um, with the hopes that you would prayerfully consider if there was something you might share to encourage each other, um, briefly, of course. And so most of my summary was done during the opening worship time. Um, I'll just make one comment, and then I'll open it up to testimonies. Um, only comment I want to make was just that there is something beautiful, I think, about just going through a book from beginning to end, right? I mean, there's, there's times as a preacher you preach through a more topical series, like let's look at what the Bible says about a topic like prayer or marriage or something like that. But there is something beautiful about just saying we're going to start at chapter 1, verse 1, and go to the end and see what God's Word has to say for us. Um, Often, if you kind of skip around as a, as a preacher, as a teacher, you can kind of pick and choose, and you can say, well, this part, and eh, I don't really, this part's a little awkward, I don't want to address this, but um, when you're just going through from verse to verse all the way through, you can't pick and choose, and you're, you're forced to wrestle with what does this text mean, and what does it mean for our lives, and so um, it was enjoyable for me to just kind of slow down and go deeper on a deeper level through this through this book of the Bible. Um, so I was, I was blessed by it. Uh, we did a sermon discussion group as well um, where we had a small group that kind of uh, discussed, you know, and how to apply it and, and then looked at the upcoming passage and, and what it might say, and that was really a benefit to me as well. And so just thankful, um, thankful for this time. So typically what I say at this time is I'm going to open it up and there'll be an awkward silence and then someone will be the first one to come up. But Dawn Levine, all the way from Jamaica, sent me an email and asked me to share her thoughts. And so I'm going to read for her. She will go first through me. And then after that, I'll sit down and then someone can be the first to come up and share. So Dawn says this, hi, Pastor Eric. Thank you for the opportunity of allowing me to share. For me, one of the most important lessons, and there are many, but I will highlight one that stood out for me from the book of Philippians is the spirit of humility. My favorite verse is also chapter 1, verse 21. Whether I live or die is a win-win. And also with Christ in the center of my life, I can do all things accordingly to his will and purpose for my life. One of the sermons that stood out for me was the one about throw away your spiritual resume. Lots of churches have these rituals that make one feel as if we don't have a relationship with God, but it is about our heart, what Jesus did for us, his grace and justification through salvation. Thank you for the invite. Thank you, Don. So now I'm going to sit down, and then hopefully there will not be an awkward silence, and someone will be the next one to bravely come up and share. Remember, you are among friends, and I would love for you to share. If you are going long-winded, then I might just wave and tell you to, to wrap it up, but take it away. Awkward silence broken. Um, I was one of the people, uh, I was blessed to be on that small topic, uh, sermon topic group, and that was... Uh, that was awesome. And I also, also appreciated going through the whole book. And uh, I'm on the tail end of a cold, so that's why I don't quite sound normal. But um, what really caught me with this, chap- with this whole book was it was Christ versus the culture. And um, our culture teaches us, I guess, all the bad things, like, you know, you know we're not good enough, um, love and cherish all our possessions, amass wealth, you know, put all your energy into the worldly life, and sort of really store up your treasures on earth. And uh, when I think of this, I, I sort of think about all the lotto winners that um, in two years their lives are ruined. And it just happened while I was sort of thinking about all this, I saw one of those articles where Sports Illustrated came out with like 20 athletes, NFL athletes who 
um, retired, and within two years they were totally broke. And some of them were sort of blew my mind, like John Elway and Johnny Unitas, Lawrence Taylor, William Perry, and Dan Marino. And um, and I just think that the church has a very countercultural message. And I know we sort of joked about um, you know your best life now and everything, and and. and and I guess I don't put it as your best life now, but we can have a really content life now. And, um, and we can build up our treasures in heaven. And then, you know, I also found uh, another sort of a, an unexpected joy going through the, the radio dial. I found a 94.1 Faith Radio, and there's even an app for that, believe it or not. And uh, they told the story one day, and it was um, this rich man and this poor man happened to die on the same day, and, and St. Paul meets him at the pearly gates, and, and he takes him home, and, and he first, the poor man, he takes him to his home, and it's this beautiful mansion, and the man is like, this is amazing, and the rich man is like, I cannot wait, and he gets there, and it's a shack, and St. Paul says, hey, it's all you sent up here, and it was sort of like, wow, it was, how true is that? So, um, I also wanted to, uh, I guess my, the, the verse, one of the verses that, that um, sort of spoke to me was in uh, Philippians 3, verse um, 10, and it's, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. And just thank you for allowing me some time to share. Good morning, my name is Steve, and if I don't get the opportunity to talk into a microphone, I go through withdrawal. The reason being is because I'm a radio broadcaster. I don't know if John listens to WIHS, but I'm the manager there, and I'm on the air sometimes. The portion of this sermon series that really spoke to my heart was Philippians 4, 4 through 9, about not being anxious for anything. I grew up in a family that were not Christians. My mother and father taught me, I love them dearly, but they taught me how to worry. I have a PhD in worry. I would like to burn that PhD in worry. And so I'm reaching out to the Lord, and this particular message really spoke to my heart. It's very easy to worry. Will I have a job tomorrow? What's the political environment going to be like? Why are all these people in the world shoving their agendas down our throat? Everything is getting expensive. There's just so much. It's very easy to worry. And so I need to apply this particular message to my heart. And I plan on listening to it again. And I'm hoping one day to burn my figurative PhD in worrying and leave that behind. But the Lord and I have a lot to work on in that regard. So I'm very grateful to Pastor's message because he was talking to me, and the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to pay close attention to this message. And John, I forgive you for listening to that other radio station. (laughs) I'm kidding. John can listen to whatever he wants. Thank you. I'm Kim, and actually that's a perfect segue into... 
So as some of you may know my story from before where I was going through a dark period and my anxiety really got the best of me and it manifested in such a way that um, I was ended up being hospitalized um, for attempted suicide. Um, and it's really because I didn't trust God. Like I kept praying, you know, help them find out why I'm having this issue. Help, and and then, so you always just need to trust in God, and He's always there. But after I got uh, out of the hospital, and after you know, I'm much better now, and. Um, I ended up getting a new iPhone, which I really hate because I love, <laughs> I hate having to relearn everything. But I loved it because then I could get a new iPhone case. And so on my iPhone case, I have don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And it's a daily reminder to me when I start to feel anxious um, or I start to worry too much about something, I can just take my phone out and read the verse and listen to God, and listen to his word of just, you know, whatever it is I'm worrying about or feeling anxious about, just, okay, God, you take it. You're right. You take it. And, you know, and I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm thankful that I have two miracles that you sent me with Grace and Olivia, you know, and just be thankful for the things that you do have and not worry about, you know, like God worry about that, not me, so. Permission to be just a little longer than brief? <laughs> okay. Thank you. I've got, I've got a, big, a big story to tell, but I really feel like it just fits perfectly into what we've just come out of in, um, in Philippians. Uh, my name is Amy, for those who don't know me. I've not ever come up for one of these before, um, but there wasn't a single week in this series that didn't minister to me. For this reason, I'd like to share a bit on how Paul's letter to the Philippians and Eric's sermons on it have proved fruitful in my life. Um, and I am not a radio personality. I'm a writer, so I'm going to read <laughs> what I have already put together for you. So right about the time this series started, my husband of 16 years moved out upon my request. Of course, there's a lot of backstory there we don't have time for, but there really was no better time for me to hear about my identity as a servant of Christ and how to seek God's will over my life, even if it leads to uncomfortable places as it did for Paul. Isn't it so much easier to walk in faith when the path in front of you allows some space for comfort and much easier to walk in obedience while maintaining a level of control? Not easy when the Lord calls you to preach the gospel in prison. Truth is, sometimes we pray and seek, but the answer to God's will is painful and hard. Jesus calls it the narrow path for a reason, right? For me, it's been nearly 10 years of prayer and commitment, persistently seeking God's will for my difficult and unhealthy marriage, while also pleading and believing for that healing only God could bring. Yet the situation continued to worsen. Many times and in many ways, I'd received clear conviction along with the strength and faith to continue. So I pressed on, believing God would heal what needed to be healed. That didn't happen. And when we did eventually separate, we did so with all intent to divorce. We were broken and we were done. 
I confess that this brought about a deep grief for what the Lord didn't do after many years of seeking, surrendering, and believing. That's where I found myself at the start of this series, at the same time still holding on to a thread of hope that the Lord had greater plans for me and my kids outside of my current reality. It was through Eric's message, Paul's example, and God's spirit, I was strengthened to again find my fulfillment as a servant of Christ, not in my circumstances and not in my own power. Not easy as I waded through my own chronic illness with, a much, with so much worldly advice and fleshly expectation, but God, he restored my faith in living for him and is truly refining me in the process. Today, I look back on the entire situation as an opportunity, one in which my faith could be tested and where God's promises could prove true. Would he work this for my good? Would his spirit provide supernatural strength and wisdom? More on that in a minute. But the following week's message was just as poignant for me. It was Philippians 1, 3 through 8, Paul's prayer of thanksgiving for their friendship. That particular message on true friendship really helped me recognize not only the the value in being that kind of friend, but the value in having such friends. For me, it's taken a special kind of surrender and humility to allow others in and to ask ask for help when it is hard or even embarrassing. But the Lord is really good at stripping pride when you let him. And without flinching, this church family of mine has been here to support me over the last few months in so many ways. With a special shout out to my sisters in Christ who show up every Friday night to to study the Bible and seek the Lord, and to those who stay late so that we can pray with each other. And to those who were able, I praise God that you showed up after hours to cook, to clean, to listen, and to provide for my family. There is no way I could be standing here without that level of love and support. God knew that, and so did Paul. Then there was a Sunday spent in Philippians 1, 9 through 11 on gaining wise and discerning love. This was a hard one for me, coming from a complicated and difficult marriage where knowing what to do as the Christian wife and mother was often quite confusing. Eric shared something in that message that really ministered to me. He shared about God's perfect love driving out fear so that we can love as he has loved us. He also asked, how many of your relationships are filled with fears and anxieties that keep you from truly loving someone the way they need to be loved? Because you have so much fear and so much anxiety and so much hurt. He went on to add that this wisdom and discernment is a spiritual work, not one we can do apart from the Holy Spirit. Boy, did that hit close to home as I had already been thinking a lot about my own fears and hurts alongside the fears and hurts of, that my spouse carried. So as I pressed on, seeking such wisdom for love in prayer, deeper revelation came to me when I was diagnosed with chronic PTSD in late February. That was no surprise to me, but I had been misdiagnosed my entire adult life. To be clear, this condition was already present before our marriage. I just didn't know what it was. The added relational stress and further traumatic experience, experiences that have nothing to do with my husband didn't help. This is where seeking the Lord's will for my life and his love led me to a hard place trapped in my own prison. Even so, it's a place ordained by God and a place of blessed purpose as I come to a better understanding of who he's calling me to be. It's also come with the provision of resources I'd need, both spiritually and practically, in order for me to walk this out. 
Paul's writing in Philippians 2, 12 through 18, and Eric's delivery of it really helped me in this regard. I was able to recognize where the Lord was calling me to work out my own salvation in that tension of dependence and obedience. One example being just showing up every week for therapy that I did not want to do, while also maintaining space for whatever the Lord had in mind next. Something amazing happens when we begin to desire God's honor and glory above our own. A desire that seems to be a natural result of knowing God and his word. From this solid foundation, I've been able to sit in the uncomfortable, finally ready and able to speak, finally ready and able to break free from my past, but not in my own strength, that's for sure. In doing so, my experience of walking out this great wisdom of Philippians has done nothing but grow my faith. The Lord is so gracious. He's allowed me to grow in his great love, a love that refuses to leave me in despair. And today I feel like my marriage needed to die and lay in the grave for a bit, just like Lazarus. Only after we are brought to the ends of ourselves can the Lord be most glorified in revealing the power of his redemption. And by his hand, through God-given trust, trust and patience, an unexpected rebuilding of my marriage has recently begun. Hearts are being transformed and wounds are beginning to heal. Nothing short of a miracle after what we've been through. Thankfully, the God we serve is greater than anything the enemy tries to use for our destruction. In closing, I leave you with Philippians 3, 10 to 11, that we may know the Lord and the power of his resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible we may attain the resurrection from the dead. Beyond its eternal implications, this verse reminds me of the power of the resurrection that was in Christ is also in me and in anyone here who, who is his that dead bones might live here on earth and in the abundance of Christ. Thank you and amen. Hi, my name is Erin. Um, so I, too, um, have a PhD in worry. Um, and I had purely fabricated um, some new worry um, last month. Um, I just came up with this thought that, hey, um, what happens when our landlord, who's um, in her later years of life, passes away, and um, our house, the house that we rent, will go up for sale? And um, so I'd been worrying about that, <laughs> you know, just because I needed something extra to worry about. I don't know why. Um, and it's a very difficult time right now to find an find somewhere else to live. Um, but God is, is bigger than all of that, right? And um, so I had been praying about it and um, trying not to worry about it and just pray about it and leave it in God's hands because it's not in my control. Um, and the Lord just... Um, He's so amazing. And 
I got a phone call from um, uh, a friend, uh, a husband and wife, and they, the husband does all of the repairs on the house that we live in. And uh, he called up on a Saturday morning recently and said, hey, can, can Liz and I come over? I said, sure. Um, my husband Byron was on his way home from work. He was going to um, come home for lunch, which was really nice. And they popped over for a visit. And um, they said, uh, they got in the kitchen and you know took their coats off. And they said, hey, you have new landlords. And the very first thought that went through my head was, Oh no, Lord! What are we gonna do? I know, you know, doubt and worry. And um, I thought, oh, they they sold the house and they didn't even tell us. Oh, you know how how wonderful. Which was not to be the case at all. He said, "Yeah, listen, I bought the house." So I just, you know, how how beautiful is the Lord that, you know, even um, a silly thing to worry about that, you know, isn't even um, potentially a reality that, that he would, he would take care of that situation for us in advance before it ever even became an issue and really wasn't something that I needed to worry about at all. Um, so I just praise God for his, um, his provision and his faithfulness. And no matter how many times I fall short and worry about things that I don't need to worry about, he shows up. Um, and he doesn't ever get tired of, um, of, of showing himself to me, of showing up, of of reassuring me and of um, even though I continually fall short um, and, and worry when I, I really don't need to. So um, I just want to praise God for for that. And um, absolutely, these sermons have you know been a wonderful reminder of I really don't need to worry. Just give it to God and Leave it there. Don't don't hang on to it. So, amen.
Um, something that I've for a long time struggled with that um, Eric actually talked about, not as the core part of a sermon, but as kind of an aside uh, with the one about discerning love, was how to bring those around you who don't know Jesus into Christ. As we all know, God tells us make disciples of all nations, but it's deceptively difficult to do that with the people closest to you because you want to hold a good relationship with them, but without preaching to them or forcing you know, Christ upon them. You can't force somebody into Christ. It has to be a choice that they make within their heart. Um, so something I've been working through for a long time is how do I bring Christ to those close to me that don't know him? And what Eric said something very specific that um, really resounded with me, which was that um, none of us have ever met God, but we know God through the love with each other. And you can, you, people don't necessarily know Jesus, they don't know Christ, but they know the Christian, right? One person knows Christ, 99 people know the Christian. And just taking that to heart and just being a, being a good Samaritan, being a good Christian, being that presence of God in the world and his love for others is how you have people know Jesus. And then when people know, oh, this person follows Christ, this person has allowed Christ in their life, and they are a light to others, that will inspire others to come to Jesus as well. It's not something that you have to push somebody towards. You make it a light, a beacon, and they will come to Christ themselves.